Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Hello and welcome to Nurses Out Loud. Today we are going to be discussing on the importance of being an advocate, not only for yourself, but for your family members. And what is exactly, what exactly does that mean, right? We, we've heard for the last three years of people going into the hospital and, um, you know, being isolated. And I very well believe that that will be in our future again. You know, the the medical industrial complex, I think, was so successful in brainwashing people, you know, and even those experienced healthcare providers. But today, I have a master's prepared registered nurse who is extremely experienced in this field of advocacy, as well as others. I'm excited to bring on Ashley Grog. Her hope is to improve risk-benefit analysis, adverse event identification, and most importantly, decrease human suffering and improve patient outcomes through appropriate and accurate reporting. Thank you for joining me, Ashley. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. I'm excited to be here. Me too. You know, we we heard for the last few years, you know, of people going into the hospital, the advocate getting removed from the bedside uh, and the patients placed in isolation. This to me was the number one reason that we had the poor outcomes with COVID. Yeah, isolation kills. We know that. That's fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, talk to me about what you have going on, because in this program, guys, we are going to give you steps. We're going to start um, just having you think of what is an advocate? Why do I need an advocate? What are the steps that I should take before going into the doctor's office or into the hospital? And we're going to provide you with resources. So make sure you stay tuned to the whole show and share this because this is one of the number one questions that I have been getting throughout this entire last three years is people wanting advice. And today we're going to give that to you. So Ashley, talk, talk to us a little bit about yourself. I know that, you know, you have your master's degree and you um, developed a heart failure program and, um, and you were a data specialist. So data is very important to you, right? (laughs) I, I love data. I'm a bit nerdy, but um, really the reason I love that data because it drives our interventions, right? And that's mm-hmm. what my whole role was in that process. I would collect the data, analyze it, and then help develop the the um, initiatives to improve the patient outcomes and reduce readmission rates and all the different things that we think about in the hospital world. 
And that it, it directly relates to what we're doing with patients now and or what I'm doing with patients. We both are right. Mm -hmm. Advocating right. for patients and helping them understand how to work through these very difficult situations. And so uh, because of my own personal experiences, I know how important advocacy is. I think we've talked a little bit about my daughter um, was born at 24 weeks. We had a really rough pregnancy um, and it was, you know, I remember thinking that I was going to die because I was hemorrhaging. Um, there was a lot of things happening and I had to be a very strong advocate for myself in that moment of crisis. And that is a really unnerving feeling yeah. um, when you're, you're trying to figure out how you're going to make sure that not only you are taken care of, but your child. Um, and so in that time, you know, I kind of, you know, I'm famous for making promises to God. I kind of made that promise to God and said, you know, if I live through this, I'm going to help others because mm. my mom died at 48 of thyroid cancer. It was completely unnecessary. I, I can't help but think how different her outcome would have been if she had somebody who could advocate for her or if she knew how to advocate for herself, but she was a very timid person. And you know, when the doctor told her that she was just a bored housewife and needed to get a hobby, and that was the excuse for her extreme fatigue and, you know, wow. all the other symptoms that she had, how different would our lives Ugh. be? And so yeah. repeating that, repeating that kind of scenario in my own life multiple times with that pregnancy, I knew that it was, it was time to do something about it. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't know how I was going to do that because I was working in the corporate world still, um, at that time. And once I was able to kind of get my feet back underneath me, she was born at 24 weeks, one pound, 10 ounces, had a lot of medical needs, had a miraculous NICU stay, but there were two times where I was doing my own assessments. And as a heart failure nurse, I was catching that she had heart failure or something similar. And I actually had to essentially make threats to get her the right care. Um, it happened to be that the CNO and the, so the chief nursing officer for those who don't know who that is and the chief quality officer were two friends of mine. And I said, either you guys take action or I'm going to make some phone calls. Wow. And it was with that, that she got a diuretic and her whole demeanor changed. They had worked her up for sepsis, saw on the chest x-ray that she had infiltrates, didn't do anything Wow. for hours. And this happened twice to her. And I sat down the second time that it happened, I sat down and I said, I want the chief neonatologist in this room. And she came in and, and I said, what would have happened if this had been any other baby up on this floor? Because there were about six babies that were 24 weekers. And I started going through the different rooms because I knew their parents or the ones that didn't have parents. I said, what would have happened if it was this baby? If I was not the mother of this child, she either would have had pretty significant issues yeah, because right. she went, she went limp. She was asystole. I was doing sternal rub on her. I mean, insane, insane situation. Wow. And I'm advocating for my own child. And so being the person that I am, you know me, I'm pretty bold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you are a lioness. <laughs> um, but what if it was somebody else and the chief, of neonatology couldn't say anything. Mm -hmm. She goes, I, you know, I can't take sides in this situation. I said, I don't need you to take sides. I know I'm right. 
And right. she couldn't say anything. She stood on, on our case. Um, but what was crazy is even after getting out of the hospital, it was three months at her three months follow up. They told us that she had a second heart problem, a, a birth defect. And so, you know, it's just all these things that kind of fell through the cracks. And I couldn't help but wonder how many other patients experience this and they didn't have the benefit of being a really bold and b medical background to kind of have that sturdy footing to to speak out against these things so uh, that's my mission is to help educate people so that way they can do it on their own or for their loved ones because you're not always going to have a medical professional that's going to be fully right. present with you mm -hmm. or that really cares and yes. that's a scary thing but we know it's true it is true. And, and we're, we're seeing how many of us experienced nurses have left the hospital, you know, because we're not going to, you know, bow down to what they need. Yeah. I, even, you know, even nurses, even medical professionals, they need an advocate because the, the healthcare system is complex, right? It is a complex hospital system and, and to know like how things are ran, for example, somebody coming into the ER, what's the process of them getting admitted? You know, they have to go to the hospital. the hospital comes and assess, they, they reach out to the nursing supervisor, like all of these steps. Um, you know, I think it's important that we educate people on that. So I'm, I'm happy to have you here today. You know, um, well, let's talk a little bit about why someone needs an advocate uh, um, outside of the obvious. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that example was perfect. And if we go back a little bit farther in that pregnancy, you know, I was put on heparin and I had had a previous blood clot. My progesterone levels were really low, you know, a normal, I didn't know that low progesterone led to, you know, damage to the, the placenta, it kind of degrades. And I also didn't know that low progesterone can also contribute to blood clots. Mm -hmm. And those were both things that I had. And so having a medical professional who, who is knowledgeable in the area that you are experiencing difficulty can be invaluable because they can put those pieces together. They can make recommendations. They can say, Hey, not quite sure if this medication is right. Um, and that's for more complex patients, but it's not just for the more complex. It, mm -hmm. It's for the everyday things. And I think it's important to remember that doctors are not gods. No. Nurse practitioners, PAs, not gods. Yep. They don't know everything. Our medical system has become so diversified. There are so many healthcare silos. Um, it's impossible to know everything for one person to know everything about healthcare. And then we have very limited time in those offices. Yeah. And so being very clear and concise for the average person when they're concerned and maybe sick and not feeling well can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. It's difficult for even us. And so having that person that can say, tell me your story, let's review what's going on. Let's drill that down into a couple key points. Let's make sure we have all the key symptoms, everything that you've done and tried to alleviate them, what's worked, what hasn't, and can paint that, that picture very clearly in mm -hmm. you know a minute or so because right. there has to be time for more conversation is, is something that's really valuable and then you could go off into the topics of insurance and 
levels of care and all the different things. So right, leaving the hospital, getting discharged, you know, going to a skilled nursing facility versus long term, all of those things. It's it's really, but I think you know, advocating going to the doctor's appointments hopefully to prevent you to coming into the hospital. Um, we, we are going to provide you some questions and you can also find, find them at, is it WTAjourney.com? Yeah, mm-hmm. WTAjourney.com. But we're going to go through those questions today, guys. So, um, but, you know, so having a medical advocate is important for a variety of reasons, right? Um, you know, if you're an inpatient um uh, it patient in a hospital, you know, they provide you emotional support, right? They help you cope with all the stress and everything that's going on. Um, assisting with the communication with, like you said, yeah. with the doctor, understanding, yeah. gathering, organizing it, writing it down, you know, because when you're sick and you're in the hospital, you know, you, you kind of just put your full faith in, in the people that are taking care of you. And but I'll tell you, Yeah. But the system is extremely flawed guys, extremely. And, you know, we don't have our doctors, our primary care doctors visiting hospitals anymore. They, they took them out and they brought in paycheck doctors. Um, hospitalists is what they call them. You know, you laugh, but it's true. You know, they literally type in their chief complaint in the computer and populates what test and, and, um, the protocol and intervention medicine. Yep. And the protocol that they can prescribe, even if they know something is better, they have to stick to the protocol or else they are getting called into their, into the boss's office and asking them, Hey, why did you do this? Yeah. And one thing that drives me crazy is the fact that a lot of these hospitalists are no longer local. So in that town, they're not local residents. They're what they call locum. So they're, they're traveling doctors that come in from out of town. They're there for a certain contract and then they move on to the next place. And so they don't have that vested interest in the community or Mm -hmm. in the hospital. And so that decreases that care. These issues, it boggles the mind how anybody can make it out alive. Right. Yeah. Really does. Yeah. It really does. I mean, you really have to have a strong nurse, you know, because, you know, and, and we talk about, we love our doctors. Don't get, don't get me wrong. You know, we, we love the few that actually, you know, um, well, I shouldn't say the few. Well, and it kind of is the few these days. I mean, you, you look at how many doctors were spouting off safe and effective, safe and effective, just because the government told them it was safe and effective, you know, but nobody yeah. was reporting which you're, you're also educated in bears, but that that's another show, another yeah, we'll big another. show that we're going yeah. to do. Yeah. We, we have all our nurses rising up guys. I mean, Ashley is just uh, a warrior woman and, and you know, let me tell them a little bit. She has six children. Okay. Four, four, four kids, four kids. Sorry. I wanted six, but I only got four. <laughs> okay. She has four children. Um, she's at home now. Her husband is taking care of all of them on one income. She has helped. So she has donated and volunteered so much of her time over the last few years. Um, I mean, you're really an angel on earth and, and I love you. And I, and I am I so blessed to know you and to that. We're in the same, we're on the same side of this fight. Yeah, absolutely. We are very fortunate to have 
such a strong network of nurses coming together and just really trying to help humanity. And I couldn't be more proud of that and or thankful. Yeah. So, so let, let's talk about uh, this advocacy guide that you have printed out. Um, yeah. that people can go to your website and get um, a copy of it. And then you can also take a, a class on it too. Um, let, let's talk about that. It's a double-sided uh, page, so two pages. And um, and it asks a, a variety of questions. Do you want to talk about how you laid that out, Ashley? Yeah, I just, I thought going through really one of the driving forces in me creating this so quickly was to help the vaccine injured. Um, we've watched them struggle and talking with them, it, it was very clear that they know they need help, but they don't know how to do it. And so I thought, how do we go about this to make sure that the average citizen can sit down and advocate for themselves? And so that's what I did is just took it step at a time. So at the top, it just asks the simple question, why is advocacy important for your health and how will you benefit? And what this does is it serves as your reminder that the flip side of the page, the back is instructions. It gives you a little bit more information. I wanted to keep the front side more of a worksheet where it would be your information, your mm -hmm. feelings, your thoughts. Um, but it's really important to discover why this is important because you're more likely to stick with it and go through the hard times if you have that why behind what you're doing. And so I just encourage people to to jot down their answers there, really give it some good thought um, as to why you are advocating for yourself because it's not easy. Right. Um, and then, you know, asking yourself who acts as your advocate. And some, some patients, when I was working in the hospital, they would have multiple advocates right. and making sure that communication is clear between those different people, making sure they're the right advocate for you um, and, and meeting your needs. And we, the second question kind of goes over that, you know, are your needs being met? What's going well? What isn't? This gives you a chance for some reflection to kind of have these conversations to make sure that, you're getting the most out of this situation. Right. And a lot of times it's, it's oversight or it is just um, par for the course. You know, it's not that somebody's doing something intentionally or that you are missing something. It's just the way it is. Life is a constant lesson. Yes, it <laughs> if is. If there's anything we know as nurses, life is a constant lesson. And so you need to be kind of evaluating those things and, and moving through them. Um, and again, what type of support do you need? Are your needs changing? Do you need help with medications? Do you need help with daily activities? Um, what is it? What part? Maybe you're really good at putting together the puzzle pieces, but you're not so good at communicating or mm -hmm. is it vice versa? So knowing those areas in which you are going to need help is going to assist in finding the right person to do those things. And I think that's key. Um, just because somebody's willing to help doesn't necessarily make them the best person to help. And it's that's right. That's yeah. right. And and we're talking about um, medical advocate today, guys. Right. So um, then that's interesting because your next question says, is there someone who you might want to be your advocate? And prior to COVID, I had an advocate, a nurse that I just absolutely adored. And, and I'm sure you can agree with me. I had a, a few people that I respected their, their thought process, their critical thinking, their assessment skills, 
Um, they, they knew me inside and out, like knew what I wanted, what type of life-saving measures I wanted. And, and we discussed this and, uh, you know, most of those people, uh, succumb to the coercion and I have no respect really anymore for, for their positions that they took. You know, it was interesting. One of them reached out to me in this like really eerie message and said, I love you. You've always been a light in my life. Thank you so much for, for, um, bringing smiles and peace to me. I hope you're doing well. Um, I love you. And then I was like, I hadn't heard from them since I blew, blew the whistle. And I reached out and I said, are you okay? And she said, yeah, I was just feeling the love. And I said, well, you know that we, I I live in the same spot and, um, and nothing, nothing. Like, didn't call me after blowing the whistle, like nothing. And so this is, this is important. Maybe your husband isn't the right person. Maybe your wife isn't the right person, right? Maybe your kid isn't. So you want to talk about that? Cause I think that's really important. Yeah. And I think you'll agree with this. You know, we watch so many times. One of the things that I stress, my my in-laws are elderly. Um, unfortunately, my father-in-law passed away two years ago, tomorrow, actually. Um, and they just said, oh, you guys will know what to do. Or, you know, mom will speak up for me or whatever. My mother-in-law had no clue. She was overwhelmed, overwhelmed with emotion they had seven kids. It was all a hot mess. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, we were, I was very thankful. Um, my father-in-law loved me like his own and we had a wonderful relationship. I helped him through a lot of his health issues and he really trusted me and my mother-in-law, thankfully we have a good relationship and she trusts me. Um, and you know, so, so do a, the kids. And so we were able to kind of walk through these things as a family and discuss these different options. And when I worked in the hospital, that doesn't happen very often mm-hmm. because a lot of emotions come into play, the guilt, shame, fear, yeah. regret, all of these things can come swirling back. And so when you're choosing money. that person, money, yes, yep. mon- money is a big one you want to choose somebody who is going to do right by you. Um, And that's really important to think about because if, if they are, maybe it was the child that was the black sheep and they never said sorry. And they're feeling guilt over that. That can become really difficult. Maybe you select two people to do the job and then they, they go head to head and are fighting and it becomes this big knockdown drag out fight and ruins family relationships. I saw that all the time, all the time yeah. in healthcare. And so considering this, writing down your wishes, making them known. Um, and we talk a little bit about that and know your history and record keeping very, very high level overview, but Keeping those wishes known is really important. So that way, when it's time to make those decisions, they can say, look, this is what, you know, mom said when she was in her right mind, we had multiple conversations. I'm just doing what's right by mom. And that also is kind of protective for the person you do choose as your advocate, Mm -hmm. because then people can't come back on them and say, oh, you're doing this out of selfish reasons for insert, you know problem here. Right. Oh. And and what happens too, and I saw this 
oh my goodness, probably a good 60% of the time, more than half of the time, a patient said that they wanted to be a DNR or, uh, you know, do not resuscitate, do not intubate. And it came down to having to make that decision and the family being there and say, no, do everything, do everything possible. And, you know, and then them arguing, no, you have to do it, keep them alive, keep them alive. And it's like, Oh my gosh. And when you don't have a strong physician that will go, you know, through, you know, go talk the family through it because they're just so risk adverse. They're like, you know what? They're about to die. What, whatever. Um, I'm not going to deal with the lawsuit from the, the wife and the daughter, you know, or what, something like that. And it would, it would piss me off so bad that I was like, you are not going to sit and have a conversation with them about this. And it's traumatizing for everybody involved. I've got, I've got full body goosebumps because you do, you, unfortunately you see this. So you have the choice, you know, you have this frail elderly person who's going to be physically harmed by doing compressions. Yeah. You know, let's not get into the details, but physically harmed by doing the compressions Mm -hmm. against their will and then put on a ventilator and then the family is thinking that their their loved one is being neglected and it creates just this really yeah. horrible situation. And then there's the infighting on the family. You killed mom. You killed mom. Yep. You, you let know. mom go. You didn't try hard enough. The doctor yeah. said that, you know, there was a 20% chance. Why didn't she could you still be here? Yeah. She could still be here. You you say you're a Christian, you know, like, but you have no heart. <laughs> it's just yeah. So make sure I think the the whole point of that is <laughs> guys. Horror stories from the bedside. That's listen, what that is, we, called. we laugh because if we don't laugh, we'll cry. Um, going back and, and remembering all of these horrific traumatic times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like a meta, your advocate has got to be a strong person and it could be your, you know, neighbor. You know, it could be the the nurse of your best friend that you've known for 40 or the daughter who's a nurse who's your best friend for 40 years. It does not have to be your family member. So that's a that's a big point to make. Uh, I think. Oh, we have a few minutes before we need to go to break. So after that, you say know your history and manage your records. Keep updated copies of health conditions and allergies doctors and contact information, medications, supplements, treatments, lab tests, diagnostic tests, insurance information, goals and advanced directives. That's the DNR that we talked about. Failed therapies or interventions. That That's a big one. Failed therapies and interventions and successful therapies and interventions, because like what we talked about is the doctor is going to want to go down the line uh, of the protocol. And if you know that something works better or something does not work for you, you need to speak up. Yeah. And that can also give insight into other treatment. If you do have a good physician, you know, some of these doctors working locum hospitalists are great people. Let's let's not all lump them into one area. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they may want that information, they may be your best chance at getting an answer. And so by having these 
things at hand can be really helpful to them. It's also imperative for your advocate, keeping these things organized and ready to go. I suggest keeping a binder Mm -hmm. Um, and, and hospital admissions, new doctor's appointments, those things will all be easier because you'll be able to be like, Oh, here, you can copy this. Um, And we have it as part of um, a, a bigger course that I have available. I don't have any current offerings, but I will be offering it again soon. Um, Wellness 101, we go through and I give you all the forms. I think there's like 16 different forms to go over all of these things. So you can just plug and play and print it out and have it ready. But keeping these updated um, sheets are really helpful for, like I said, new doctor's appointments, hospitalizations, mm-hmm. keeping your caregivers updated. Right. Absolutely. You know, with that, guys, we'll be right back. Um, We're going to go to a break now, but make sure that you're checking out uh, AmericaOutloud.com and checking out all of the the shows that we have for you and all of our sponsors. We have some amazing family of sponsors that we have been with us for years. We have um, the Wellness Company and the Cofix Rx. Uh, which is a dilute povidone uh, nasal spray that helps to uh, limit the viruses in your nose and in your mouth and uh, so many others. Guys, we'll be right back. It's time and this is The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. It was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. It's time and this is 
Thank you for joining us on Nurses Out Loud. I'm your host, Nurse Jody O'Malley. And today I have with me Ashley Grog, who is a master's prepared nurse and a staunch patient advocate. This, this woman wears so many hats, guys. But today we are talking about um, being an advocate for yourself or possibly being an advocate for your loved one. You can go to her site at... WTAJourney.com and download this free advocacy guide that we are going through. We started out on the first half talking about why having an advocate is important for your health and who you're going to choose to act as an advocate and what type of advocate you're going to be for yourself and all of the little checklist of things that you need to bring into the doctor. Uh, but now here we are on preparing for your appointments. Uh, we have confirmed date and location. Is the advocate available to go with you? Health history, your medication list, new concerns or changes, lab test results, and any questions that you might have. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is one of the key pieces is preparing for that appointment. And I think it's very neglected. People don't realize how important it is because that time is so short with that provider. Yeah. It, you really have to be able to articulate yourself quite well going in. And, you know, even for us as nurses, sometimes this can be really difficult because you're nervous, you're concerned about what's going on with your health, and then trying to relay that and getting the best answer possible. And so mm -hmm. by taking a couple minutes before your appointment, just obviously confirming the date and location is important. So you're at the right place at the right time. Um, but, but writing down the list, okay, this is what has happened since my last doctor's appointment. If it's been six months, three months, that, that could be pretty significant. Mm -hmm. Um, it might be short, but there might be pieces in there that help the doctor understand what's going on, where their medication changes. Um, what kind of symptoms are you having? All, all of those sorts of things. But by gathering that information together, you can really lay out that puzzle. The doctor walks in or the, really the, the nurse or MA walks in and says, hey, what's going on? You can give them a little synopsis and, and be ready and prepared to give all the details. I, I think it's very often that patients walk out with more questions than they very. have, you know, mm -hmm. at the beginning of the appointment. And this is just one of those ways that you can really help put those pieces together. And I, I think that also goes into that whole health goals and um, treatment goals. What, what are your goals? And asking that question for yourself, what are your goals for your health and treatment? Mm -hmm. For some patients that have chronic debilitating diseases, it might just be to have that quality of, of life with your family right. members. Right. You know, I mentioned my mom before, I never would have chosen the path that she did. I mean, it's hard to say that, right? Yeah, so let's, talk a, let's talk a little bit. If you could briefly summarize her path, because I do have an example as well of an appointment yeah. that I went to with my mom. And I'd like to give our audience, our listeners, um, some examples. So what path did she go on? So She went the traditional route. And really, we didn't know much different at that time. It was... Um, early 2000s, maybe. And she was in her late 30s, got the diagnosis of cancer and just immediately started in on treatments. It was the most curable kind of cancer. Um, but the, the point of adding this story in here is 
her health goals were far different than mine would be. I would opt for quality of life versus quantity. And her goal was really to live as long as possible to see my sister graduate high school. And so she, she didn't, the, the, she was willing to suffer horribly. So that way she could hopefully make it to my sister's graduation and every patient, every person. And how long, how long away was that? When she got diagnosed, when was your sister due to graduate? We really didn't think she was going to die in the beginning, but I was a freshman in high school. My sister is six years younger than me when she was diagnosed. But there were multiple times throughout the, it was 10 years that she battled thyroid cancer. She had multiple surgeries, terrible radiation. They isolated her for radioactive iodine. She had the maximum amount of, you know, that she could have just a whole mess of things, but she ended up passing in September um, of 2008. And my sister didn't graduate into the following year. So she definitely did not make that. Um, Mm. And and you kids saw a lot of suffering. uh, Yeah. My sisters bore the brunt of that. I was actually in nursing school. um, And so I was spared some of the more difficult things, but they were younger than me. They were at home and it, it was, it's definitely impacted our lives pretty significantly. We all have choices to make. We choose how to deal with the different things. I was very fortunate and I don't know if it was because I was just older or if it was because I, I wasn't living in the home with her Mm -hmm. or I had more coping mechanisms or just a different type of person. But it's it really significantly impacted both of my younger sisters and it's yeah it's tough it's tough it it really is tough yeah and having those conversations and saying you know i mean obviously the kids are small but yeah i mean my mom she had a surgery um consult for an umbilical hernia and the the surgeon he was excellent i was very impressed by him he drew it out on the board what it looked like he was you know telling her listen this is what your cat scan shows but once i get in there you know there may be more out out you know pouchings so to speak that i may have to um that I may have to correct, but we won't know it until I get in there. But this is going to be um, uh, a robotic surgery. And the healing time is, you know, just a couple weeks. Um, You know, I have most people that uh, work a desk job back at at their, um, their desk in three to five days. And um, it would be a really good idea if you could lose um, like 15 pounds. And, um, and then we're like, okay, so, you know, late August, late July, she sends a group message to the family a couple days later. And she said, my surgery is scheduled. It's July or June 21st, like a month earlier. And I said, I was like, no, we discussed you doing it at the end of July. And she said, yeah, but I start school, you know, the first week in August. And I said, Right. So if we do it at the end of July, remember he said desk jobs, they have them back in three to five days. You got a good two weeks after your surgery. You're going to be fine. And she's like, oh, and I said, and remember, 
he said for you to lose 15 pounds. And I had to talk to her. I said, mom, this isn't for what you look like. He is going to be going in into your abdominal area. It would be better if it wasn't as big as it is right now. If you could do anything and healing and healing. healing. Exactly. I was like, let's, you know, get the diet together. Let's, you know, let's change some things. Let's go for a walk. And she was like, oh, well, I thought he was going to have to cut me open. I was like, he didn't say you were going to have to get cut open. And she goes, but if there was like these out, you know, if if he found more, he was going to have to cut me open. I said, no, he can still do that robotically. I said, they do everything they can not to cut you open anymore. And she's like, oh, but this is what we're talking about today, guys, is that this was a very simple um, conversation that we had with simple, clear cut instructions and how she heard something different than what I did. Right. And, and this happens all the time. Yep. Yeah. And you and I had talked a little bit earlier about the, during the masterclass, the advocacy masterclass that you can take on the website, we, we do a self-assessment and we talk about how well do you understand your doctor's instructions? Can you relay those instructions back to somebody else afterwards? And really, that's a prime example of how this can become misconstrued so quickly and can really change your plans of how you're gonna how you're gonna approach your care. So I think that's a beautiful example of of how easily these things get mixed up and why it's so important to have that advocate. Yeah, and then also too in the hospital as as a bedside nurse. I always went into the room. So if there's any nurses out there listening right now, make it a point to let your doctors know that when they come to the floor and see the patients that you, that they should come and get you from the nurse's station or let the CNA know, or the secretary know that you are on the floor Um, And that nurse will go in that room with you, you know, having those relationships with the physician are extremely important because, you know, especially if you have people that don't have any advocate, you really, really have to take that role very seriously because you are stepping in to that role as the family member, right? At that time. And what I mean by that looks like this. So physicians come to the floor you know, they come to the patient's room. You see them walk in the patient's room. A couple minutes later, they're walking out, going to the next, walking out, you know, and then they're sitting down and they write all their orders. And then you find out about it a few hours later. Right. And then you're like, oh man, I have all these orders to do. Uh, you know, I was going to take a lunch break. Yeah. Well, guess what? You got to get those orders done. You're not eating lunch today. Sorry. But when you walk in the room, when you walk in the room with the physicians, because they appreciate this too, they appreciate this a lot. Continuity of care. It's a continuity of care. And they know that you are on top of it. And, and even bigger than that, is that you understand their way of thinking. So now you get used to the different doctors, you get used to the specialties, you know what what, uh, road they're probably going to go down, and then you could um, organize your day better. So the doctor goes in the room and you're standing there and the patient's in, in the chair or the bed, and the doctor starts talking. 
That's what they do. Literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so happy. I could With lots of tongue. big words. <laughs> With lots of big words. And then the patient's like, oh, okay. And the role of the nurse should be like, which what I would say is, okay, did you understand what Dr. Smith said? And they're like, oh, yeah. And I would say, okay, well, explain it to us. Tell us, teach us what he just told you. And they, you know, it would be obviously all over the place and they would be like, oh, and I'm like, no, that's important. We, we have to be able to understand what the, what, what your path is. So you're not getting any more morphine. You understand that, right? (laughs) We're not doing that. We're going to try some other alternative therapies. I'm not coming in your room. Every time you call, you get two shots today or whatever, you know, the case may be, but, um, but asking them to, to teach you back the teach back method is, is extremely important. And, um, and then also, you know, making sure that that doctor doesn't leave the room until all their questions are answered. And I would say, do you have any questions? Think about that. I'm going to give you, you know, a few seconds to think about that and make sure, you know, because then it also, you know, for the nurse too, they come back, you know, then the patient's like, Oh, I have a question for Dr. Smith. And you're like, all right, well, Dr. Smith's not on the floor anymore. I'm going to have to call him and page him. So it may be some time. So this is why Ashley is going through this and to making sure that you write down your questions as they come to your head. And and as a patient, you have every right to ask for that nurse or for someone to be in that room to help, especially. And if if you're advocating for a family member and they're hard of hearing, Mm-hmm. have them write it on the chart, have them put a sign on the door. Doctors must bring nurse with them. Grandma's hard of hearing, whatever yeah. you have that right to advocate for yourself and say, I really struggle with understanding the doctor. Or if there's a certain physician, this would happen all the time. Sometimes they have thick accents. Mm-hmm. Old people cannot understand accents. It's like a given. Yeah. You yeah. have to advocate for that individual. So that way, or or even people who have a little bit of ADHD or maybe yeah. some anxiety, right? they need you to say, okay, what what doctor means by that is da-da-da-da-da and rephrase it in words that are, you know, every day, not medical jargon. And that can make a vast difference. And you have the right as a patient to ask for that support. That is how you are going to get the best care. Um, and I, I think that's perfect to roll right into that informed decision-making. You know, what yes. kind of questions um, at the bottom of the worksheet that we're talking about, is it's a whole block. And it asks what the problem is, what happens if I do nothing? And then it gives you space for three different options. And then you look at the risks, the benefits, any considerations, and you can write that in there. Look Mm -hmm. at it, compare the different options. And then are there any alternatives? Mm -hmm. Because when you're making big health choices, you really need to be informed. There's usually not a one size fits all option. However, that's most of the time what you're going to be presented because, you know, like Jody has said multiple times, cookie cutter medicine is the way it is these days. Yeah. Um, and I also list a place for second opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Second opinions are good. 
it's not offensive to the doctor. Right. If it is offensive, that doctor has a problem. Yeah. Get a different doctor. Yeah. If if they're refusing or tell you you don't need a second opinion, they're arrogant and mm-hmm. they're not being respecting of your desires. There is nothing wrong with getting a second opinion. They should be encouraging it. You never know if a different doctor is going to have a, a, a different outlook, an idea, have different experiences that might lend to your case. And so get a second opinion. Medical decisions Unless it's catastrophic emergency, ruptured aneurysm, or a severe trauma car accident, most of these decisions do not have to be made immediately. So take your time. Make sure that you're going over all the options and the considerations. I I can't tell you how many patients that I had with prostate cancer that would have opted out of surgery uh, because of the complications afterwards. And that was a common complaint. you know, some patients don't know that they have an option to go with hospice. <laughs> I right. mean, that that is heartbreaking to me because I think I became a nurse because we had two people pass away in our home before I graduated high school. And then, of course, my mom, you know, was sick. But everyone deserves a death with dignity. Yeah. Yep. Everyone, I I would always make sure that I was in the room with my patients. If I knew they were passing and they didn't have family, I would be there. Everybody deserves death mm-hmm. with dignity and respect. And some patients truly, some individuals, you, you have the option to say, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. I want to enjoy my time. What are the things that we can do that may help give me the quality and or quantity that I want without making me completely miserable you know find that balance it's different for everybody it is it is you know i think what if we give an example of you know a a common a common reason somebody goes into the hospital let's say like pneumonia right somebody is in the hospital with pneumonia and you know the the care that they're supposed to receive they feel like they aren't getting it. The nurses isn't coming into the room. They're lying in the bed all day. And a lot of people like say my dad, for instance, being in there, he's like, oh, Jody, I'm not going to bother her. She's so busy. And I'm like, no, dad, you need to get up out of that bed and into a chair. They should have done that for you four hours ago. You know, you have pneumonia. You should not be laying in bed. Well, I know she's busy. She has so many patients. Mm, sorry, not. You're going to be there longer if you don't get your buns out of that bed and open up those lungs. That's right. And, and I, I think that's important when you're in the hospital asking those questions. What's going to help me get better faster? That should be part of your treatment plan. Mm-hmm. If you're in the hospital with pneumonia, you're probably going to be on I, IV antibiotics. Right. You may or may not need oxygen. Mm-hmm. You may or may not need breathing treatments. Yeah. Um, do you need to do incentive spirometry? And this is where a professional advocate would be really a, a benefit to help work through these different avenues. Right. Do I have to worry about blood clots? Well, if you're getting up out of bed and you're exercising, walking around yeah. the floor, did they you let can. you right? Did they let you walk the floor? How many times have you walked the floor today? 
Yeah. Are you getting up? Can you go to the bathroom on your on your own? If you can go to the bathroom on your own, are you getting up and doing that? Are you using the bedside commode? Do you really need to use the bedside commode or can you walk to the bathroom? Yeah. All those or things the are urinal. so important. Yeah. yeah. Urinal. Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> I mean, if you're a woman, maybe you need to sit, but. Um, <laughs> what is a woman? I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, oh my no, sir, you need to put your penis in the urinal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. No, Flash but you're, backs. you're, you're, exa- <laughs> I remember somebody saying to me when I was a CNA, uh, I was, you know, just getting used to patient care and the, the guy, you know, he, he couldn't put his penis in the, in the urinal to pee. Yeah. And so I helped him and I placed it in there. And then when he got done, I tapped it a couple of times and took it out. And, uh, <laughs> the one male nurse said, you know, Jody, more than two taps is playing with it. <laughs> I was like, so embarrassed, but every single time I had to do that, I would remember what he said. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you did. I am sure you did. You know, being a nurse is something that is, it's just a weird profession uh, because you're a professional, but yet you have these moments that are, you know, in any other setting would be wildly inappropriate. Right. <laughs> wildly inappropriate. Wildly. We need more nurse comedians. Oh my goodness. I don't know. We, well, I don't, I don't think you were there. I don't know where we were. Um, but Robert Scott Bell was sitting there with Kimberly and I and, we started in, and I think Danielle Baker was there. Uh, we started in on old war stories, you know, and I think if it was dark, but I think Robert probably was quite uh, surprised at these conversations. It was pretty funny. <laughs> you know, I was talking with my youngest about that the other day, and he was like, it was something about telling stories. And I said, you know, it's just so odd. I don't have that many in my brain. Oh, and really? No, I said, I think, well, I know what I would do, you know, whatever situation I was in, you know, um, I, I just always remember, I vividly remember, you know, talking to the Lord and, and, you know, just getting through it at that time. And then it, as soon as I left, pretty much it was gone like a dream, you know, it was like yeah. a dream. I don't really have a whole lot of stories um, given the, the plethora of, um, patients and yeah. situations that I've been in, you know? Yeah. I, I miss bedside nursing because of the ability to be that advocate for those patients, really making that connection and helping and supporting them through some of the most difficult times of their lives. Uh, and those I think are the ones that I remember the most. And of course, some of them are pretty dark. And and like you said, yeah. we laugh because if we didn't laugh, we would cry. Right. Um, right. It, it's a very humbling experience <clears throat> to get to go through that with a patient. And I think my point in saying all of this is if you're a patient and you're listening and, and you're hearing all this, there are good nurses out there and they want to love you and they want to support you just like they were your family member. And so please, you know, ask them to help you advocate by advocating and by creating this, this different culture. I think we're going to see a shift back in healthcare and patients are absolutely going to be a part of that. And so I just want to encourage those of you that are listening and hearing all this, 
you know, we do deeply care um, for our patients. We love our patients. And, and sometimes we do need that reminder that this is a human experience. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really going to help change, I think, the course of healthcare um, and bring it back on track. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of what healthcare is going back to true patient care, patient-centered care. Hospitals like to say it's patient-centered care, but it's profit-centered care. And, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's the first time I've ever said that. I might have to tweet that out. Uh, well, guys, uh, we, we were talking with Ashley Grog. She has an amazing company, Wellness Through Awareness. Uh, you can go to wtajourney.com. But that's all the time we have for today, friends. Remember, we're here on air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses as we walk you through all of these hot topics. We will empower you with the information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Jody O'Malley, and you can find me here every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Guys, make sure that you reach out and let me know what you think about the show. Please, if you're listening to this on podcast, the only way we get up in the algorithm is if you like and review it and save the show so you see the shows that come out daily. All of our shows go to podcasts one to two days later. We can sit here and we can talk and you can listen, but if you don't share these shows, then the information stays amongst us. So we need to do our part. We need to speak truth out into this darkness and we need to continue to shine our light. God bless, I love you all. It's time.